Hey folks, so today we're going to be talking about the Druid. Um, the Druid is a really special class in Dungeons & Dragons. And the Druid is one of those um, kind of warrior protector class that I believe, um, are, that what I would consider is a warrior protector because of not only the mechanics of how they're built, but the historical aspect of them and how they're kind of woven into the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. So as we know, they are warriors for nature. They're protectors of nature. Um, they're connected to the material plane of whatever world you're in. So whether you're in Forgotten Realms or you're in a homebrew game, they are connected to the nature and to the material plane in that world. You know, they resemble a lot of... Um, aspects of nature right they resemble the fury the resiliency the neutrality of nature a lot of times druids um, kind of play that um, neutral good or just lawful neutral you know whatever it may be but they're they're neutral to the to the things of the world they they really align themselves to nature and they kind of connect with nature at least that's how it's kind of written um but they also have a really interesting starting point as a role-playing class. Um, Druids are one of those classes that, you know, they were they always made me take a step back from the fantasy kind of cliche druid and really think about what a what the impact was um, that they had in society um, at one point in time, right? You know, it makes me think, okay, how do druids in D&D impact the world? So as dungeon masters, you know, we it, it always made me think of how um, the druids of my world, world, excuse me, differed from other places, right? Did they reflect um, history? Did they reflect the world that we live in, right? Um, I mean, for the Celts in, in ancient history, the druid was a priest. They were teachers and they um, were the orators of history toward, you know, to their people they remembered their history and they taught their history um, and they mediated, right? They were the mediator between the gods and the humans. So for me, when I think about a druid, my mind tends to go towards that interpretation because it, it makes me think of how impactful the druid is. So again, great mechanic and great class in D&D, but it this class always kind of made me like push um, push my mind a little bit and expand my mind in a way that I could kind of look at um, the druid from a world building perspective, right? Take what I could from the real world and, and go from there. But obviously, you know, we're not talking history. I want to actually take a deep dive into the druid and talk about what it takes to build a druid, what it what I would recommend not from a world building perspective and a mechanics perspective. Obviously, the mechanics perspective is going to be a little bit more generalized because each player may want to play their druid differently, right? You might want to have someone who is like the typical um, purveyor of peace um, and, you know, nature's balance type thing, right? But other players may not want to. So anyway, I'm going to talk more. I want to talk more about the world building aspect and um, kind of help people really find a good way to incorporate them. I think every class in D&D 
um, or in Pathfinder or whatever fantasy game you're playing, I think every class has an ability and a chance to um, have its own unique lens and story in your game. So without further ado, let's get let's get on with it. So when creating a druid, there are some things that we need to consider, right? What makes them a druid? Do you know what's that special connection to the land that they have? That you know is that connection um, from to the land special because it's where they came, you know, they come from? Are they seen as a connection be, between the humans and the nature spirits, similarly to you know what the Celts and the uh, Vikings and whatnot, how they saw their druids? Um, or is that is that druid a you know someone who became in touch with nature because something happened to them maybe they had an encounter with a nature spirit or with something in nature that kind of made them um take that hero's journey and 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 take the journey um to become a druid right what are those things so that's one thing i would say from a world building perspective you want to take into consideration how does one become a druid in your world? What are the options? What are the things that um, are kind of there that um, players can inquire about, right? Because each um, each player that you have at your table is going to, if they play this class, is going to come at it from a different perspective. They're going to look at it differently. They're going to approach it differently. But you as the game master have an obligation to have... Um, some foundation for each class, at least in my opinion. You should have a foundation for every class. You should have a druid circle in, in that land that kind of tells people, hey, you become a druid by, you know, kind of forsaking your earthly possessions and joining this group of people, right? Every, you know, I, I it, it helps out and it helps the players out specifically, Um build out in their own imagination the boundaries of that world and it gives context to the world um if you're reading if you know if you're someone who in the audience who's an author right you want to give your reader that ability to kind of put together things you don't want to leave it too vague so you know first things first what makes them a druid ask yourself what makes them a druid and think about the bond that that druid has with nature. Um, in addition, do you consider yourself, if you're playing, you know, you kind of have to put yourself in that mentality or in that mindset. If you're playing a druid or game master, if you're coming up with a druid and um, that circle, do druids consider themselves an extension of nature or do they consider themselves a representative of the natural spirit spirits excuse me of that plane i personally believe that how your character views themselves but also how your um how you as a dungeon master write out and kind of create um those you know kind of npcs however you do that it's going to say a lot about the way they're going to play and live um that class out how they live that vocation out so to speak so for example if you're a player when you think about how you encountered, um, how you became a druid, um, you know, something to ask yourself is how do I, how, you know, do I see myself? Do I see myself representing nature and protecting nature or being its advocate 
or do I see myself as someone who is in touch with the natural spirits and is and, and is being led on a quest on behalf of the na- uh, of the nature spirits so that's one way to look at it from a GM perspective you can say well you know these particular you know when you're coming up with these circles and we're coming up with these groups um, how do they view themselves how how would you you know if if you were to interview them what would they at what how they would excuse me how would they answer that those questions right so those are little things that you should think of but again how did you know you know how did they view themselves it's and and that's and and i'm saying that a lot because that is going to be one of the biggest keys to the world building aspect right is um you know i spoke about character backgrounds in the previous episode or in the previous episodes but um that really just like a background it solidifies um how you've become an adventurer right so when you establish whether a player or or a gm how you got to that one point you're establishing your past so that you can move forward um again this is probably one of my biggest um pet peeves my biggest um probably one of the biggest things i i write when i'm world building as a gm or when I'm creating a character background. Um, and it's something I get really excited about because the how, um, that part, and again, in quotation marks, the how, is what makes you unique. It makes your story unique and it distinguishes you from the rest of the party. A really cool idea that I've always tossed around um, is that you know, you're know you on a quest to find someone who's gonna save your land. So for example, like, you know, as a druid, maybe you're part of a, a, a druid circle and there was a prophecy and you're sent you. So you're almost sent on a quest by your family, so to speak, to save your people and the adventuring, the adventurers party that you're a part of um, is part of that prophecy. And you were sent to meet that person or you were sent to meet that group. And that's how you became an adventurer. Things like that are going to really help when building it out and when and when writing that into your story. Um, another thing that I would consider, again, something that I've learned many a times is the tension in the drama. Right? What? Um, what? You know, I spoke about what caused you to be a druid, but why did you become so motivated and moved to become this druid? Why did you consider? Um, this path versus to become, um, un, you know, to become, let's say, a cleric of a nature god. Why, why did you move on to that path? And I think that's a really um, important statement. It brings, you know, it brings into fruition the mindset from a player perspective, at least. It brings into fruition the, you know, who, what, where, when, why. What we've learned probably as kids. Um, when creating stories and when creating things like that but it's kind of a basic or at least i think it's basic um to world building as well whether you're a character or a gm the what the where the why the you know why did these you know why did this druid circle let's say that you created um why are they so unique well you can answer that question because you're going to write it out why you know you might want to ask yourself well why did um why did this group even formulate right right you know 
why did they come into existence? There's always something that um, forces or even uh, motivates a person, whether in our world or in a fantasy world or in a sci-fi world. Um, but either way, it's going to that might there's always an action that motivates the response or the reaction. So consider that right from a world building perspective, from a player perspective, you want to consider why um, you became a, uh, a druid. Why did um, your druid circle even come to existence? Um, what happened to it? You know, you want to ask yourself those questions. And again, just a little tidbit, y'all. I know know this, and y'all are fantastic, but um, those are things you want to consider, especially if you've never played a druid, right? It's the same concept for any class. You, let's say you've played um, wizards your whole life, but now you're wanting to switch to to play a druid. Well, it's kind of the same concept uh, that you would have used for a wizard, but in you know with a druid. But anyway, moving along from there, I'm going to take a look at the mechanics of the druid. I really want to talk about um, how kind of a quick build of how I would build a druid and kind of go from there. So first and foremost, your druid is going to require its highest ability to be used or the highest you know ability score, excuse me, to be um, placed into wisdom and then constitution because again your spell um, your spells are going to be based upon wisdom and constitution is always good to have because that's you know <laughs> that's your health essentially um, you're most likely going to benefit from a hermit background um, and again that's what the official material suggests but you know me I'm always an advocate for um, homebrewing your own background if it fits your world so as a player or as a DM, whatever it may be, talk to your players uh, from a GM perspective. Talk to your players and say and ask them, listen, if you know, do you even want to play this background? Because if not, no worries. You can choose something else or as a player, just say, hey, you know what? I kind of want to test something out and I want to see what we can come up with. Well, go from there. But anyway, um, this, you know, that's something you're going to want to talk to your you know, DM about or your GM, but the hermit background is kind of the, the go-to for this. Uh, from there, the official material speaks on uh, the sacred plants, right? They talk about the woods and the sacred plants that a druid holds dear to them and uses it as part of your spellcasting focus. But in some cases, um, obviously they use this to create weapons and, and, all, and craft stuff. However, I think that you can go in a couple of different directions from here, okay? Remember, the key is the spellcasting focus. So, if you want to choose your spellcasting focus, obviously it's up to you, but I'd have you consider a couple of things. First and foremost, choose whether you're going to use a plant or a, or a piece of wood, okay? Or, you know, from there... Are you going, you know, I would recommend, do you want to use a mineral or an element from your background as your spellcasting focus, right? So, you know, do you want to use, I mean, a cool, again, cool idea to think about is, do you want to use a flower that reminds you of your past? Do you want to use a piece of wood from your land that, you know, maybe you held true as a child? Or maybe do you want to use a mineral or a rock or a peat or an element 
to you know that kind of draws part of who you are i personally don't think it has to be a plant or a wood and on the contrary you're a druid you're in tune with nature so feel free to kind of explore that plant wood mineral element so those four um kind of generalized aspects i would have i would highly recommend that you explore that to even break it down further let's go through the first option um if you're going to choose a plant or a wood you know i recommend researching the symbology of you know that plant or that wood right research what it was used for was that plant used for medicinal purposes was it used for you know societal or cultural did it have a societal or or cultural significance or was it used in religious ceremonies that would be something that could you know that would add a little bit more um flavor so to speak but in addition it would add a little bit of symbology in your uh, you know as a character and as a um as you're role-playing this so let's say you use a you know let's say you use a, a piece of oak and for most people we know that oaks are you know represent strength it represents um, stability strength and kind of um, having a heavy foundation like a stable foundation so that might guide your character in a way that or it might represent your character in a way that you you, you kind of want to showcase to your to the party um, but showcase it subtly right so that's one thing to think about another thing to think about along that same branch or that same vine is um the 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 people right the land and the people of that land that you're um hailing from so in some cultures we know that certain plant life is viewed as sacred um we also know that certain plants and trees are viewed as necessary because of the land of the area that um, the environment rather that they're in so whether it's a desert you know area or an arctic landscape whatever it may be certain um trees and plants that symbolized or they symbolize life and life giving attributes because of the environment so research that and think about it because that could be you know you could say that part of your spell casting focus as your you know maybe you actually acquire and again this is just a thought maybe you acquire different little plants and woods and all these little and you know bark all these little things that represent each spell right so or each category of spells excuse me let's say you take you know lavender or you take aloe vera right um it's a healing plant aloe vera is a healing uh we all know it's a healing plant maybe that's your spell spell casting focus for healing whether at and and then from there you have a piece of oak bark which is your spell casting focus for making weapons because it's both you know attack and defense uh maybe you choose um i don't know some sort of like moss or vines or some sort of you know whatever as another spell casting focus to create uh a, you know enclosures right to create 
to camouflage yourself and, and close and, and, and create like an abode of some sort. Um, that's, you know, that or that could be the spell casting focus for that because moss is usually can be used for camouflage and covering. And if you manipulate vines a certain way, it could be a, a sort of shelter. So think about that. Think about uh, researching the symbology of those things and acquiring it, having a little bundle of it. There's nothing in the rule book that says you can't do it. So just consider that. Um, from there, I would actually apply. So whether you choose a plant or a wood, I would apply the same thing with minerals and elements, right? Um, it's still applicable. Like you can take, you know, sand from the village you grow up you grew up in right if you chose a you know to be a druid in a desert from a desert area and that's your spell casting focus because sand can do multiple things and it, it, there, there's a lot of symbology in that so again at the end of the day it's like you can pretty much choose that spell casting focus um or as always i'm always i'm always going to present the option of do you want to create your own spell casting focus or multiple spell casting focus you know you know focus items so something to consider but think about that think you know that is going to make you unique that is going to bring um something unique into the world but it's also going to bring when you know as we tell stories and as the the tension and drama kind of rise those little things contribute to that um, but anyway, that's what I would really focus on. Uh, some may feel obviously that these questions don't need to be asked. They might say, well, let's just build a character and go from there. But I personally think that these, you know, th this, that type of interaction and questioning should be with your, uh, game master, right? And that, that actually pr promotes that world building aspect. Um, cause obviously by asking those questions, you're taking a more active role in building out the world. And I just find it really cool and unique um, that you would have a druid talk about this really rare flower that is in their village or in their town, and it only grows once a year. So every druid at a certain time in their life, when, they be, when they're kind of initiated into the circle, they pick that flower. And it's kind of like a, a self, like a self-fulfilling um, task or even like a come to adulthood moment where you have to harvest this flower. Um, anything like that, I believe, is going to be really unique to the world. Now, from the from a spell casting perspective, the spells you choose are going to really be dependent upon you. You are going to have to choose those spells. I can't really help you with that. But what I will say is this. When choosing spells, you want to choose spells that are going to benefit you and the party obviously that's like duh brian like of course that's gonna you know of course that's what we're gonna choose but hear me out when you ch some people you know are gonna and, and again it happens in any game but some people choose spells that aren't you know that are just i want to do cool stuff i want to just you know spam it and cause damage but when they choose things like that when damage is dealt to them they can't heal they can't do anything besides you know just deal damage so as a druid you have a really cool ability and again 
Druids back in the day were kind of broken. <laughs> Just like most classes, they were kind of broken. But now, there, there's a pretty good balance between them. So what I would do, if I were y'all, I would pick spells. I would really try to balance. Because you can still remember at earlier um, stages or earlier levels rather of your character you can use like a shillelagh you can use a bunch of different weapons and you can you know attack with them so the spells with that i would choose would be healing spells and um aoe spells yeah you can do dps and whatnot that's fine but i would choose like healing spells and aoe spells because that though i i've learned that those type of spells and especially if you're the only spellcaster let the party let those people who are doing you know physical melee go out in the front in, in the front line so to speak you're a, you know the druid is not only a great melee or can be a great melee but they can also be an even better support and spellcaster they can do damage from afar which is kind of what you want to do anyway as a druid you want to do you want to really cause damage from afar and 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 really kind of like you know not last minute but you also in, in a sense how cool would it be from us you know you can polymorph into this giant monster and wreak havoc so that's again something to consider every druid is going to be different right and that's the beauty of dun a game like dungeons and dragons is that each uh, character class is going to be played completely differently. I've always told people, you know, how many ways do you want to, you know, how many ways are there to play a paladin or a wizard or whatever? Well, look, you know, count how many people are in the world. If there's 7 billion people in the world, there are 7 billion ways to play that one character class because it's all dependent upon you, the individual. So anyway, that's my take on the druid. Um, short, sweet, to the point. Remember, pick some, pick a spell casting focus that's unique to you, and really write that out. Research it. You know, spend a couple of hours on Google researching it and finding the symbology of it. Um, if it helps, you know, if it helps you, pick a, pick a background that you enjoy historically. So whether it's like the Romans or the Japanese or the you know the Vikings or the Celts, whatever it may be, pick that background, research how they viewed druids, if they even had that in their in, in society back then, in their you know perspective societies. Research that, see what they did and replicate it and add to it, build upon it, make that use that historical context as a foundation and then build upon there. But anyway, folks, that's the episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. It definitely helps the channel and it definitely helps uh, me gauge where you are all at with the shows and what you want to listen to. But until next time, folks, keep gaming.